Neil, how are you doing today, buddy? Good, Arrow. Nice to talk to you. Nice to talk to you, too, because you've been on a journey, and, and you're not afraid to talk about your personal journey and how it affects not only the past, the present, as well as the future, sir. Uh, that's what I'm here to talk about. Yeah, I'm not afraid to talk about it at all. Putting it in action, because, I mean, you can, you can experience it personally, but to put it in action, put it in, in words, and, and letting it grow out here for listeners as well as viewers, how did you decide to make that move? You know, it's so funny because a lot of us have bleeding ideas. Gosh, wouldn't it be fun if I did this or do that? And it's so easy to let those ideas just kind of go and float away and never kind of say, wait, I am going to do that thing. And this was one of those bizarre kind of <laughs> repellent ideas to a lot of people. You're going to walk to New York out of your house? What are you kidding? And I just kind of over time fell in love with it and flushed it out, really studied what it would be, where I would go, what I would want to see, what precise route I would take, kind of why and when exactly I would do it. And as I developed and nurtured the idea, I then walked out the door at the end of March of 2021. And it was just a really extraordinary experience, unlike anything really I've ever had. And I've traveled all over the world. And, you know, one of the things I want to do to your folks in North Carolina or anywhere else is recommend something similar because it can be really transformative and amazing. You're absolutely right about that because I, I, you know, I thought I knew everything about North Carolina until I got an RV, and all of a sudden I started getting into state parks and taking those long walks and going into, you know, even even where the, the ex presidents used to live. You you go and you listen to the lay of the land and you find out more than a book can even put you know put publish. You know, we're at this moment when we're all debating and fighting over exactly what the nature of our history is and and all the rest. And one thing I'll just say kind of on that topic general is that it's complicated. And anybody who thinks they've figured out the secret to the story of North Carolina or Pennsylvania, much less the entirety of the United States, doesn't quite know what they're talking about because they're not kind of giving the place the respect it's due by really acknowledging how elaborate all these things are and the and the more you slow down and the more you really pay attention the more you understand that complexity it's a good complexity you know when you're walking across america i'm a total believer in spirit guides and keepers did you feel like that you were out there with some 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 invisible things that were sharing the story with you unveiling different things that we didn't know about oh my god i mean you know uh it's so fascinating that let's just take one tiny example i had heard about these petroglyphs which are among the only lasting remnants of the indigenous population of that whole area of america going back a thousand years were carved on these rocks in the susquehanna river you know with various things that point towards this summer solstice and all these sort of things snakes thunderbirds all these various figures and i found a guy who took me out there by a little boat and easter afternoon we stood on these rocks and examined these things and it was such a kind of revelation and one of them was a walking man a form of a walking man that someone had carved you know 1200 years ago and that walking man spoke to me uh, another walking man and it was just and then when I moved on from there, I would show pictures to people of these rocks and they'd say, oh, I'd heard about those, but you know, I've never gone to see them. I've never had the time to do it. And it's like, yeah, you do. Go check them out. But you know, it's just fascinating. It's like this incredibly rich things that are right under our noses that we just sometimes don't quite get around to checking out. Neil, so this was a real foot journey for you. Actually, you literally walked this distance. Um, what did you do for support? I'm curious of your daily activity, your nightly activity, food. How did you plan ahead for this? 
You know, that that's a good question. It's really important to do that planning. And I, you know, when you're walking, any of us, when we're in a car, we're like, oh, it's only five miles over there. Let's boom, boom, you're there. When you're walking, that's an hour and a half, right? So um, you have to know where you're going to sleep. And I did. I, I worked that out. It's not easy. I stayed in a lot of, you know, places above people's garages and whatnot that they were lent, letting out on Airbnb or whatever. I stayed in some, you know, motels and inns. and But I wasn't camping. I had very light um, amount of stuff. I kept it super slim. I would wash things if I had to in the bathtub when I got there and just dry them overnight. Um, I only had about 17 pounds on my back. I used the same pair of shoes. Um, I, I left a lot of space every day for things to happen and stop and do some fishing or some whatever I wanted to do. But I always knew where I was going that day because that was that's an important factor. You know, where you're going to end up at night and what bed you're going to slip into is a, is a nice thing to know. Neil, I have to say, when I first heard your story, it sounded like uh, an urban Appalachian trail. And in North Carolina, we've got these, these beautiful Smoky Mountains, and people go and play and have that journey in a different way. But y- you definitely took that, you know, in the urban fashion. I'm curious, you know, in all your success and everything you've done, there's so many of us in, in this country that we're too busy, we're too busy. We don't want to stop what we're doing. We want to stop the train. How did you find that place to to slow it down and to, to get on this journey to take those steps. I kind of, you know, I kind of enforce myself. I, I fully acknowledge you know, people are like, well, how am I going to take a month off of work or even be able to support the, the Airbnbs along the way? And that's a completely legitimate question. But, you know, one of the things I write about, I talk a little bit about in the book is what I call seams that we, we all have these seams in our lives. Sometimes they're not that welcome. My seam was kind of that I had a, an illness, a cancer that I had to deal with. And by the time I came out the other end, I was like, okay, you know what, I'm going to take this moment no matter what, and I'm going to do this thing. And, you know, you lose your job, you're moving between states, you come out of the army, you graduate from college, you have like a little opening of freedom. Those are really great moments to seize and say, you know what, I'm going to hike the Appalachian Trail, or I'm going to do a ramble like that guy did out of my front door. That's one way to gain your own little freedom is to use the little openings that exist. Maybe it's even, you know, you get divorced or something. It's just something that kind of breaks the, the 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 orderly passage of time and you say, you know what, I'm going to take this moment and do this thing. I, I would defy anybody to really be able to prove that they, they're they just unable to do it unless physically they're unable to do it. You can you can find your freedoms. I take a transition walk through a forest every day I am, because I believe that we should be learning through our transitions. You taking this walk, what did you learn on your transition? You know, there are, I don't know if this is something that everybody taps into, but I found just like these kind of amazing reservoirs of awe and outright yep. joy, just for reasons that were hard to sometimes explain as to why I suddenly just felt joyful walking along a road. Um, but I think that's that's in all of us, I hope. It's a matter of kind of unleashing it. And a lot of it is a matter of just simplifying and not allowing yourself to be so incredibly distracted by the phone in your hand or the car whizzing down the the highway or whatever and just taking the time to to see the things that are out there you know in this case because i walked literally through a spring i kind of followed a spring north and um that was something i've never done i've seen you know many many decades worth of springs and i'd never really just paid close attention to one watching how it unfurls which trees blossom first the whole whole of it and that in itself is just so amazing and and really you know it kind of just opens you up to certain 
uh, you know, kindnesses and, and, and it just makes you more attentive. It just makes you a better person. Neil, I was you led right into my question there is how easy was it for you to disconnect from technology and disconnect from the world? Seems we're all glued to that cell phone now. And obviously you as a journalist for as many years you've been and the fast pace of that. How easy was it for you on your journey to disconnect both early in the journey and late in the journey? I'm sure later it was probably easier because you had gotten used to it. But how easy did you find it to unplug? I found it pretty, you know, in the end, I never had any desire to uh, listen to a podcast or listen to ear, you know, music in my ear buzzing. I, the walk itself, my thoughts about what I was seeing was all so entertaining. I, I didn't need anything else to distract me. That said, I mean, I definitely had a phone. Phones are unbelievable for mapping devices, for being able to take photos, um, for being able to record some conversations with people I met along the way. I used it for everything other than its phone function for the most part. So that device, I, I you know, would really have trouble having not had it because it was so useful in that way. But I wasn't walking down the road, you know, checking out what was going on in the headlines or my, my real desire was to put all the chatter and all the divisiveness, you know, that we see so much on whichever television channel you decide to watch or whatever and just say, okay, I'm gonna go and look at the world on my own and make up my own mind about how things are going and kind of put all that sort of abstract stuff out of my mind. So obviously begs the next question, Neil, what's our next walk or should you have the opportunity to do it? Where would your next walk be? And if you had a dream walk per se, uh, where would that want to be for you? Where would that lead you next? You know, I really want to urge people that are listening to do this kind of thing themselves. And and I, I think there's real value in doing something like your own personal ramble where you determine a place that you think is really fascinating historically or for you personally might be two, three days away from your house and then to figure out how to do it, really study everything in between, give it meaning, bring the meaning with you and it pays you back. And I have, I'm thinking about what my next book should be and I'm kind of thinking, gosh, should I build it around like 10 different, you know, really fundamental stretches of the country that would say something about our past or and I have a variety of ideas, but I did a whole long piece just recently in the Wall Street Journal about just basically saying to people that if you have only one chance in your life to craft a trip, just a vacation around a walk, you should really do it. And there's so many places in, along the coast in England that are amazing. Of course, so many places in the United States, pretty much in every state. I'm talking more about trails and things like that. And you don't need to be backpacking or camping. There's all kinds of places where you can have your bag sort of shuttled from little place to little place and you know one of the walks i really want to do there's a you can do a whole circuit around mont blanc in um, france switzerland and italy and it um it's like a 10 day you just go all the way around the base of mont blanc which of course is just a hugely high peak and it's supposed to be just incredible but there are so many walks like that and it's become a big thing right now a lot of people maybe covid pushed us in that direction a lot of different factors of kind of getting people to want to be out on foot I would love to hear a defrag from you in the way that when you take a walk that you that you do take a, a, a digital device with you. But I would love to see what moves through you and see how you feel after you've come back from that walk and what you planted inside that recording device. Because I, I just have this feeling that the universe is moving through you in ways that, wow, that, that can reach us even in different ways. Wow. That, that's, <laughs> that's nice of you to say. I, um, you know, 
going back to the device, I actually use my phone a lot to just walk and um, dictate into it. Yeah. So, so like thoughts as a, you know, uh, instead of stopping and taking notes the old fashioned way, I would just do it into my phone. And so at the end of every day, I had, I don't know, 1200 words that I kind of written of various thoughts and observations and capturing conversations I just had with people and stuff. And that ended up being the kind of foundational material of the book itself, which is great because in a way, parts of the book were actually written while walking. Um, and, you know, I hope people really get the sense that this is very much of an accumulative thing. You know, anybody that does, I don't know, yoga or meditation or whatever knows that if you have a, what people call a practice, just as, you know, if you practice anything, archery or, you know, shooting or golf or whatever, you get better at it over time. And you enter a sort of a different space that's sort of outside just skill. There's some kind of magic about it. And, you know, in this case, too, I the sort of meditative quality of the walk and 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 how it began to accumulate over time. So by the time I got to New York, I, I felt kind of like a somewhat of a, I hate to say a religious figure, but it, there had been a lot of transformative things that had occurred along the way. Well, I was going to ask you, did you feel like you were on a walk or were you on this thing called The Way? And I'm having this, this gut feeling that this was The Way. You know, it's funny you say that because that's, that's a great way to put it. And I never really thought per se that I was on what we would call like a pilgrimage. Um, but it became more and more that way and people... Uh, kind of looked at it when I would meet them and say where I was going. And I kind of joked that there's a great part of Central Park in Manhattan called the Ramble and the the designers of Central Park. This was all built, by the way, in the middle of the Civil War. I mean, the country is being wrenched apart, and yet they continue to build and design one of the greatest urban parks in the world. And Manhattan would be a dreadful place if it weren't for that huge, massive beauty in the middle of it. And the Ramble is just like this twist of wild trails and it, it, it would make you feel like you were in the wilderness but it's very designed and so this was my ramble to the ramble and by the time i i got there i i thought i was like a couple of feet off the ground and in, in a lot of ways because of just the effect of that length of time just living with simplicity you know, i walked out of my house with that knapsack basically and i was so pleased to be free of the things that we all collect and accumulate and own and i was glad when i came back a month later and okay i have a house and i have the beds and the you know belongings but at least for that stretch of time there was such joy in not having that stuff and just having the absolute bare necessities of what you need neil in school uh u.s history professor always told me if you really want to connect with america travel through the state of pennsylvania take the time to stop at all the historical markers and you'll learn where america really came from obviously your journey included a lot of that would you agree with what that professor told me oh 30 plus years ago you had a good teacher because i really came to understand that while i went you know they call pennsylvania the keystone state and I don't know if you know what a keystone is, but it's like a building device where you would use a certain shaped stone to keep the other stones above a um, window opening or a door opening from falling in. And Pennsylvania played that role, which was the center state, six northern colonies to the north, six to the south, great divisions between the two well after the country was formed, obviously North Carolina being one of them, going all the way up to the worst division of all, that led to the Civil War. And, you know, Pennsylvania was the hinge state um, and the state, of course, where we drafted the Constitution. Um, and it was and still is to this day, this kind of um, hinge 
place between the North and the South. Um, and that's one of the reasons that it's so politically important now. As you journeyed through, um, we know now that you've discovered more about yourself, about the country, about the land. You talked briefly about the people. Were there any like Kung Fu moments where you met someone and you were able to help them? Is there anything from the book you'd want to share? When I helped them, is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, just anything along yeah. the way. I know I've taken journeys and, and you know, you see that person need or something happening and, and you grow closer to the people as you are in their area and, and you pass by. Oh. So I just wonder if there's anything you found. You know, one of the great moments, it's like on the second day I'm walking along and I had to get diverted off this road because I was there was a bridge I, I couldn't really cross as a pedestrian. And I came down this little country lane. I met this older couple and we got to talking and they told me, I said where I was going and they said, you're going to that town. This is like a week away. They said, we know some people there. We used to live there, but we don't know how they're doing. And I said, well, then, OK, great. I'll give tell me where they are and I will look them up. I'll tell them they're doing well. <laughs> And I became like a messenger on their behalf. They were both, they were all Mennonites and they hadn't communicated. They don't really do email and things like that. And so a week later I go up Crooked Lane, which I'm not making up. It really was called that. And I um, met the, the Hoovers and I passed it along, passed along the best regards from the herders. And it was just as great, you know, as though I was in the 18th century, you know, bringing news of some other people from, far to the south, you know, verbally, you know, and it was, there were a lot of great kind of parable-like moments like that, that I very much kind of embraced because it, it was so old school, but it, it was so fundamental. And it, it really what was, those those kind of things that gave the walk and the book a lot of magic, I have to say. When you walked toward those battlefields, when did you turn off the tourist and became the student? Oh man, I was a student all along. Like, there just, you go. Well, yeah, Valley Forge was not, as you know, a, a battlefield. It was where the Continental Army went to reconnoiter and try to get his act together after a brutal um, series of losses against the British. And, you know, they had no shoes and they, they were bad at everything and they were a ragtag group, you know, camping out in the woods in 1777, 1778. And I went there, I met a historian who had written a whole book about not that winter, but how, when we decided to care about that winter. And it took us like a century as a nation, really, to say hmm, that winter that our folks suffered through, George Washington, et cetera, that was a really emblematic moment of persistence and perseverance and toughing it out. And it became a kind of national symbol. And that was just so interesting to me how we can decide long after the fact that something means something to us and then sort of turn it into a symbol of that thing. And so that, you know, the whole day I spent at Valley Forge was all about kind of poking around in that that area of thought and the, the what it is we remember and how, how it is we remember it. Neil, where can listeners go to find out more about you? Because there's there's a lot of you that we can't get in just 20 minutes. And I want I want people to hook up with you, connect with you and and, and begin a walking journey themselves. Yeah, I appreciate that. So my website is Neil King, J-R-N-E-I-L-K-I-N-G-J-R.com, which is all about the book. Um, I, of course, urge people to go out and get the book at their bookstore or Amazon or whatever, American Ramble, A Walk of Memory and Renewal, it's called. It just came out yesterday. Um, and I'm on Twitter, NKingofDC. And, um, you know, I'm very uh, open to engage with folks. And I've already gotten a lot of notes on Twitter, people wanting that out the door. And 
all that kind of thing. And I do think this book is going to be inspirational in that way, just kind of opening a, a small door on looking at the country in a different way, in a more forgiving way, in a more sort of optimistic, upbeat, sort of slower way and doing, giving, you know, doing it justice. God, I love where your heart is. Please come back to this show anytime in the future. The door's always going to be open for you, Neil. I would appreciate to do that. I would love to do that, Earl. I really enjoyed our talk. Excellent. Will you be brilliant today, okay, sir? Okay, thank you. You take care.